What is this? Hey, everybody, and welcome to Show and Tell. It's what we do every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. People from around the community, uh, from DigiKey and Adafruit included, come on by and show us what you're working on. Give us updates. Show us your 3D printing, your soldering, your DIY keyboards, whatever you got. We're going to kick it off with Kevin. We're going to call people one time. We'll be out of here at 7.55. So, Kevin from DigiKey. What's your last name from DigiKey? Sorry, we just changed your name. You changed my name? Yeah, it's now Kevin Digikey. Okay, that works, you know, as long as it has Digikey in it. That's no yeah, big Yeah, okay. Well, you got the Digikey logo, so you're, you know who you are. So it, it is what it is. That's fine. Yeah. All so right. So what I'm working on this week, I finally got these in today. I got a couple of these, uh, the Picos in. Yay. I am really looking forward to the Feather Pico and all the other Pico ecosystems that you guys have coming down the pipeline. I'm checking them out on your website. I'm really excited about it. Okay, what? check in like a half an hour because there, there might be some going in right before the show. Oh. Shh, secret. Only between you and me and the rest of the internet. <laughs> okay, I am going to have my finger on the clicker. The yeah. mouse. So I, I couldn't wait. You know, I know everything's excited. So I just got the Pico running with simple CircuitPython NeoPixel code. Cool. And this was the easiest product that I was able to get CircuitPython running on. I was extremely impressed. It was smooth, quick, easy. Example code was great. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Yes. Um, it's it's super cool to see a new chip uh, come into the ecosystem. And it's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure DigiKey will stock reels of those chips as well. So when people are waiting for them um, yeah. when they're available, that's where you get them, make your own uh, RP2040 boards. We got a couple. Uh, so yeah, we have this feather coming out, a couple other boards that will soon be stocked at DigiKey as well. Yes, and we're looking forward to it. And speaking of the RP2040, the Pico ecosystem, we do have a uh, kind of like a podcast. We're going to call it another Helping of Pi. It's going to be a roundtable panel discussion with uh, a bunch of people from the industry. One of them is going to be John Park, who I'm assuming will be on the show here in a little bit. This is going to be on Pi Day. So check the DigiKey socials for more information on that. Okay, you've got nobody better. JP's exactly. JP's workshop. He's just going to run the show. He's going to, yeah. They, watch out, JP. They're going to make you run the podcast. All right. Thanks, Kevin, for coming by the DigiKey Corner. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep checking in on RP2040. Keep building those projects. Check out uh, JP's guide they just published on making your own DIY mechanical keyboard. Yes, he's got some great stuff. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, Kevin. All right, next up, Melissa, what you got going on? Hi, I have this little device. It's called a MicroKinback One. And uh, it's just like a little replica of a computer that was built in the 70s. And it has a few programs on here. You can program it to various uh, programs. Uh, it can hold up to 256 bytes of memory. Wow, it's a lot. Yeah, it uh, has some interesting like programs that you can load on it. Like if you hold stop and hit five, and then hit start, it has a little blinky one here. All right, all right. And I have a YouTube video on my channel coming out where I build this and kind of demonstrate it, and that's coming in probably a few days. Okay, so this is like a modern recreation of like this old simple LED button-based computer where you like load programs in by pressing buttons. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. So people were like, how how did microcontrollers get programmed before CircuitPython? Who's like this? Exactly. Drag and drop makes it a lot easier. But uh, it does. Maybe, maybe you're excited. To, I mean, this is cool. Did you put that on your bag? It looks sweet. Yeah. All right. 
Nice work, Melissa. Thank you. And your retro computers. Um, okay, yeah. next up, Scott. Hello. Perfect timing. So I've been working on uh, how we define flash uh, settings in CircuitPython, particularly for the RP2040 boards that are imminent, uh, such as this one that, I'll, uh, that I will tease. Ooh. Um, I was. I got an early one because I was helping fix it. Um, so yeah, this is Toml. Toml is something like YAML or JSON. Um, it's better than JSON simply because it has comments. If I just uh, show you this Giga device one, we can see here that there's two comments about uh, what it's for, and then some settings around that specific device. Uh, but there are also also settings that are common to all Giga device uh, stuff along with all Flash stuff. So I made this tool called Cascade Toml. And what it'll do is it'll, it will kind of squish together a series of Toml files to give you like the overall settings. So if mm -hmm. I just go up to my uh, autocomplete here or my history, you can see we do Cascade Toml, Cascade Filter, and then I give it a skew. And when I do that, I get a bigger Toml file back mm. um, that includes both data from the path and data from like a higher level file. Um, I think this might actually be broken a little bit, so I'm going to have to fix it. Uh, but the idea is, is that once you have this file, you can load it into another Python script then generate kind of like whatever specific form you need. So it might be uh, like, for the RP2040, it's that like 250-ish bytes of flash initialization code. Or on the IMX, it's this other struct that they've defined. Or in other CircuitPython, it's another struct that we've had. So this is centralizing kind of all those settings for all the different flashes that we support in CircuitPython, and hopefully in a way that people can use it in their own projects as well. Yeah, and as we do more execute in place, this is going to be essential. You know, we we kind of skirted around doing this, but now it's it's we have to we have to do it. <laughs> Yeah, execute in place makes it hard because everybody has their own way of like defining how to get it going. Um, so yeah, for sure. And uh, if people want to check that out, you can go to github.com slash Adafruit slash Cascade Toml or github.com slash slash Adafruit slash nvm.toml. So this it's nvm for non-volatile memory because we actually support MRAM as well. Um, mm. Max added that for the satellite stuff. I was thinking, like, that's for yeah, space. Some, <laughs> yeah, the CubeSats use that. Yeah, yep. I mean, absolutely. You can you can use MRAM, and you don't have to worry about your uh, chip getting frazzled. Okay, so really right. good stuff. Thank you for for kicking this off. Yeah, uh, we're really making uh, Circuit Python a very fully featured um, programming system. Yeah, and hopefully breaking out the best bits best bits for folks doing other embedded stuff. Just we were talking about this earlier, just like Tiny USB. So okay. hopefully this will be one of those things people build on as well. All right. Thank all you, right. Scott. Thanks, Scott. And uh, check out my stream tomorrow for all the details. Yeah. Okay. We'll get a get the word out on uh, Ask an Engineer as well. Yes. Awesome. This week's Deep Dive with Scott is Thursday. Yep. All time, all the time. Okay. Right. Thanks, Scott. Next up, JP. Hey, guys. So I have up here something I'm very proud of, which is this guide. Uh, I just published this guide on building my little uh, macro keyboards using the Pico. Uh, and I, so I've worked on this a couple of weeks of, of the past couple uh, Thursday shows of my workshop show. I showed how to design the uh, circuit to use the Pico as mechanical keyboard and took it all the way through to having PCBs made. I had these um, 
I sent off for some PCBs that came in, put them together, they worked, and built up the keyboards. And then I had the, uh, the pleasure of making an epic mega guide that really shows every single step of the thing. I left no stone unturned, and I'm, and I'm really proud because I think that it can serve as a good intro for people who are wanting to make the leap from prototyping stuff on a breadboard or maybe hand wiring it onto a permaproto board or, or a perf board and want to actually have a PCB made without necessarily learning a steeper learning core, uh, curve, more robust program like Eagle or, or KiCad, KiCad, however that's pronounced. Uh, and so a lot of people already use fritzing. And so uh, this guide here, there's many, many pages that'll take you through it, but here's one where we've taken what we've learned in previous pages and done a just a four switch uh, version of the board. And we go through both the, the breadboard view and the schematic view to kind of optimize and clean up our uh, circuit and learn some concepts about uh, things like net labels and some symbols, uh, and then take it up through to building up the board properly and, and checking it to make sure that it's manufacturable and then sending off Gerber files to have them made. So um, I'm really excited about this and I'm, I'm hoping this will lead to uh, some some more people grabbing fritzing and using it for, for this type of purpose for, for really building out uh, a project. Yeah, I think it's great because, you know, there's thousands of people who have these Pico boards, they're low cost and, you know, you still might want to have a complicated enough project that you want to have a PCB, but you don't want to solder in that raw RP2040 chip. It's not it's not the easiest chip to solder for beginners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this is a really great intermediary, right? It's like you can still make custom boards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, made a keyboard, but I think, you know, accessibility projects also, you know, mm -hmm. you solder on this big thing that's easy. Um, it takes care of the tough stuff and then go to town with Fritzing, which is, yeah. you know, a great beginner program for circuit board design. So this for is a sure. great guide. Everyone should go check it out. Uh, it's live now on the learning system. Yeah, go check it out. It's there. Uh, and then I'll give a little teaser for something that's coming up uh, on my show tomorrow. I'm going to be doing a, um, a project that involves a visual effects trick, uh, sort of a chroma key visual effects trick. But one little element of the project that I'm excited about is uh, my buddy Todd Kurt built a project last week that plugged a rotary encoder knob directly into a cutie pie. There's a way to, to tell the pins to be what you need so that you can plug in all five pins of the rotary encoder. And it just, it's almost like a smart rotary encoder. It's a, it's a it's so rotary encoder that runs circuit Python basically at this point. Uh, and in my case, it's also gonna drive some, some NeoPixels. Uh, uh, Todd made a media knob and a MIDI controller and some other projects out of his. Um, and it's probably, we probably published that in the uh, MicroPython on hardware, Python on hardware guide so you can, Go and find that, but I'm I'm gonna I've grabbed that idea and I'm using that to make a little controller for this uh, for this okay. VFX project I'll be showing. All right, thank you, JP. All right, we got a lot of people, so we're going to a lot of people came in. So, Aaron, hello, how much your project off? Uh, I this week have a shadow box project, and I don't know if I'm gonna be able to show it too well in this light, but uh, this is what it is. It looks okay. It looks much better in the dark, but um, I'll, I'll show a, share my screen so you can see what it looks like. But just so you can get an idea, it's got a mag tag and a NeoPixel strip just plugged into it, going around the edge of just this shadow box frame that I got at the craft store. And then a whole bunch of different layers inside uh, that I cut out on my vinyl cutter. And let me go ahead and share my screen so you can see what it looks like in the dark. I even made a little time lapse of it. So let's see here. All right, can you see that? Yeah. Okay, so um, as you can see, the, the mag tag up in the top is showing the time and it's Wi-Fi clock is actually connected to the internet. And um, 
It is getting a data feed for what time and what longitude and latitude you are. And the cool thing is that uh, at different times of day, it will change colors. Um, and this is a test mode, so it still says 1140, but this is my sunset color feature. So every day at sunset and sunrise, it will um, change the color palette real slowly to this, and then it changes to a starry night at night. So it basically knows what time of day it is and shows a different color palette based on what time sunrise is in your location, which is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and show this little time lapse. Um, and as you can see, it's a super slow animation, but you can see the minutes ticking off there as the uh, the sort of daytime greens and blues are going to just start to fade into this uh, sunset, which is it's really kind of neat to watch. It comes up with some really pretty colors as it starts to sort of fade into this sunset color and then uh, ends up at this uh, little starry night. Um, and the tutorial I just launched today, it teaches you how to take your photos and turn them into these vector images to layer them up inside the shadow box. And you can, this is a, a picture of my mom in her kayak at the bottom there. And this is the lake that's right outside my window here and, and, the, and the mountain that's right up on the, on the ridge. So it's, it's pretty special uh, to be able to just take your, your environment and turn it into artwork like that. All right, people can, can cosplay as Aaron in their home. All right. All right, thank, thank you, Aaron. Aaron. All right, next up. Next Je up, Jepler. Hello, I don't have anything a tenth as beautiful uh, to show as Aaron, but I was gonna show my little NeoPixel here and tell you about the guide I've been working on. Uh, it's the Raspberry Pi RP2040, um, and it has this PIO controller for uh, I.O., and we've got a new guide telling you about how to do it. Starts with turning an LED on and off, progresses up to controlling a NeoPixel, kind of trying to teach you the PIO language and teaching you about, for in this instance, NeoPixels enough to understand it all and put it together with CircuitPython. And then the other thing I want to plug, which I don't have a demo for, is uh, the RGB matrix library now works on these guys. So yeah. that'll come out in the next release of CircuitPython beta really soon. I've got one here. Lamore knows. My RP2040, <laughs> so preview everybody. So this, this is working great. Nice work, Jepler. All right, thank one you. One could say oh, yeah. Ruby is in the, the eye of the beholder, Jeff. Ooh, <laughs> thanks for We're that. talking about beauty and everything. Electronics are all beautiful, so. Yeah, there's, there's a Raspberry Pi chip in there, so there, there you go. Is, it is nice. All right, thank you, Jeff. Good work. All right, next up, Noe. Hey, Hello. Yeah, hello. Let's do a quick sh screen share so we can look at the overhead here. All yeah. right, so this is kind of a, a preview project, right? Uh, so this is a project I'm working on with Liz. It's a MIDI device, so MIDI notes. Uh, it's using the Raspberry Pi Pico, running CircuitPython. And the, the kind of hero uh, feature is to be able to use this little five-way navigation switch to change uh, the, the MIDI notes. So in this case, you have these circles with the numbers inside of them, and they kind of represent the buttons. So you can change them. So if I want to change this uh, this here open hi-hat, I can change it to, let's see. What, there we go, cowbell. Okay. We like cowbell. So uh, we're working on a learn guide. Hopefully we'll have it out next week. Um, but there's uh, a lot of fun 3D printing stuff to it, as well as some really sweet features in CircuitPython. So, uh, yeah, we did I love a clear spoiler plate, you know. Oh, it's right. Yeah, so okay. we were, of course, we, you can you can use acrylic for it, but we also have a 3D printed version of it, too. So I got this little guy here that's 3D printed. So we'll have that available for, so folks can print that as well. It's beautiful. Thanks. Nice work. I like the hand, the handle as well. The that's handle also do. acts as a kickstand, which is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it props it up. All right. All right. Thank you. Of course. 
thorough demo next week. All right. Yeah, well, everyone's looking forward to it, I'm sure. Awesome. Thanks, folks. Thank you. All right, next up. Lucian, hair, hair effect. Hey, hey. Oh, we can't hear you. Right, sorry. My, Mike has a button. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so this week, um, I finally wrapped up uh, my first Featherwing, which is this little device, which is for connecting to some servo motors. Um, so uh, this, I also put together a little kit. I've had these motors on a couple of times before, um, but uh, I put this together to just make them, they're, they're a kind of smart servo motor that you can send all sorts of commands to, and you can also receive all kinds of commands. So they can tell you, uh, what, you know, their max torque rating is. You can actually like set, you know, temperature limits. So if they overheat, they automatically turn off and, you know, read all sorts of directional information. But um, that makes them a little bit complicated. Um, they have, uh, you know, they have to communicate over UART instead of using PWM. Um, they have a whole little messaging protocol and they have some direction control. So all of that is a little bit annoying to put together with uh, you know, an Arduino or a CircuitPython board normally, because you have to put in a, either a bunch of little diodes and resistors, or you have to use a little buffer system. So I put it all on a Featherwing instead, so you don't need any of that. Um, and I also put in a uh, voltage regulator so that you, don't, you can use it even when you're not connected to the computer, you can just use the power supply of the motors and it'll power your CircuitPython board too. Oh, um, so and it has a little uh, power supply selection for that. So this is a little simple beginner robot kit that I just put out. Um, so this is a little simple um, uh, demo system. Uh, it doesn't have, I, I couldn't get the buttons big enough to were giving me problems, but um, yeah. So that's, that's all together. You could use this for like a sentry gun, like Nerf sentry gun or a little camera pivot or a laser pointer for your cat or whatever, whatever you really want. It's yeah, there. people love dynamitzels and now they have an easy way to add three of them. So this is, this is really nice work. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're probably hefty enough to lift about a like 10 pound brick or so. So they're pretty, okay. pretty so camera controls and stuff too. Yeah. 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 All so, right. Awesome. Nice. Good work. All right. Well, we'll put it in the awesome feather guide and uh, we wrote that dynamitzel library. So you can use it in CircuitPython. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, so we still have a bunch of folks coming in. So if everyone can keep it to uh, just a couple of minutes, we can still get to everyone. We're going to go to Chris Young. I haven't seen Chris in a while, so we're going to hey, go to Chris. Chris. And then we're going to keep Hi, doing guys. rounds. Can you hear me? Hey, hey. Chris. Hey, Chris. Yeah, we can hear you. All right. I'll pull up my screen share here. Um, we've got um, one of the things that we want to do in assistive technology is to be able to create some sort of a configuration file that can be easily edited by the user. Like if it's a mouse device, maybe the mouse speed or, or uh, you know, different kinds of things. So you can do that real easy in CircuitPython, but I'm old school, I like Arduino, and some of us at HE makers like Arduino. So we wanted to have a way to do configuration files with Arduino. Well, it turns out, Arcada library already has that in it, but we don't want all of Arcada. So basically, what I did is I took Arcada and stripped out everything except for the file I/O and the configuration files. And if you look in this test program over here, it read value one is one ten, value two is one ninety. 
If I go down here, there's my mouse storage device. Open this up. Oops. Well, it says the files unreadable. Don't you love live demos? I know. So you, you're using a JSON file to configure it, and then um, are you running like with teeny USB so it shows up as a disk drive, or like how are you, how are people setting the configure? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it puts up your either an SD card or your two spy memory. Okay. As a as a as a mass storage device. One other thing. SD card is great because it's like you can just put it on your computer. It's like super human friendly. Yeah. One other thing. It's one of those. Uh, don't ask. It's not out yet. This is a board that uh, Bill and I have been working on. We call it a, a cutie pie hat. And basically, it sits on a, a Raspberry Pi, mostly a Pi W. It's got a cutie pie started onto it. And then this is my infrared transmitter circuit. And so we're going to initially use it to make a Wi-Fi IR remote on a Raspberry Pi W. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's got all sorts of breakout pins there. He broke out all the cutie pie pins, got some power and ground over here so you could you would use it for anything where you wanted the Arduino interface to a Raspberry Pi. I used to have a, a Wi-Fi remote that was based on the old Arduino Uni. And of course, it was a, a Linux board with a Leonardo sitting on top of it. So this is kind of our version of that. You said it a Pi W and you put a cutie pie on top of it. And the cutie pie handles well you can do PWM, you can do analog, you can do the infrared stuff. It, the kinds of things you can't usually do with a Raspberry Pi. But then you got the Pi underneath it. So anyway, yeah, like it's a little, little in the works. Yeah. So that's in the works. And awesome. We hope All right. Thanks so much, soon. Chris. And thanks for stopping by right, and uh Good design lesson for folks. If you're making accessible hardware or assistive technology hardware, one of the things it could and uh, can do is also be user updatable. And that's one of the things yeah. that we really yeah, like to see with, um, not, we did that with Arcata for Arduino stuff because having a file system with CircuitPython is a big deal. I mean, so we just took CircuitPython. I was like, well, let's, let's see if I can kind of like jam the CircuitPython yeah. user experience in. But yeah, it's it is it is tough to like it, Arduino is just not it's not designed for having the USB show up as a disk drive. It's it works, but yep, it's not. But we made it work. Yeah. We made it work. So there's a couple of technical glitches. I posted a message in the forum, and uh, we'll see what happens. But it's almost working. Okay, cool. Uh, All right, cool. Good, good, good to see you. Yeah, come on by whenever. Bye -bye. It's good to see you. I will. All right. All right. Next up, we're going to go to Liz. And then after Liz, we're going to go to Ini and then Ini and Misha. Misha and then Mark. So if you can each keep it to a minute or so each, we can get to everybody. Take okay, it away, Liz. How's it going? Uh, I won't take up too much time because uh, Nay um, kind of talked about the project. Uh, so we're making this Pico MIDI fighter. Uh, my Pico is also peaking there. Um, but I have it hooked up uh, via Raspberry Pi uh, USB host to the uh, Robots Alpha. 
so get some chords going. Once you have a robotic xylophone, everybody, everything is a robotic xylophone controller. Exactly, and is it really a MIDI controller until it controls a robot xylophone? You know? That's right. That's so. super fun. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, awesome. I really, I'm really excited about this, and the screen GUI was I'm really proud of with the how I wrote it in Circuit Python. So I'm glad that we were able to get it working. I know we had like a little bit of like, how are we gonna make this? And then it's like we're like, wait, try this, try that, and it's like, ding, it like came together. Yes. It was a beautiful thing, like rainbows, unicorns. Yes, yes, definitely. All right. Well, congrats, Liz. It's going to be live next week. I can't wait. Thanks for adding the GPI expander for the LED uh, buttons. I really wanted to add the LEDs. I thought that would be cool. And I was like, good time to use this new expander. I so agree. And I love that expander. Super okay. awesome. Yes. So good. All right, love thanks, it. Liz. All right. Thank you, Liz. Next up, Misha or Mika. Hi. So my name is Micah, and <laughs> I've been working on this. Um, system. I'm calling it a box. Box. So it is yet another MIDI controller. Yeah. That's right. It's MIDI um, controller night. Yeah. Based off of the Raspberry Pi Pico again. Cool. And the reason I have it is because I've been learning to DJ with this turntable. And although it might look kind of fancy, it's actually pretty old and it doesn't have all the latest bells and whistles. So I decided I wanted to add some things. So what this does is it adds three buttons um, a potentiometer, or three effect buttons, a potentiometer, a switch, ah, I, my video is mirrored, and um, uh, a row of um, buttons on the bottom. This one actually says fire missiles on it. Cool. <laughs> I don't know why. Because fires and missiles, that's why. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think I can actually share my screen. I've never done this before, but I'm gonna try. So, uh, one sec. Um, all right. So if I hold this up. Yeah. And I press this button. Press it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it enabled it. This button triggers that, this button yeah. triggers that. Yeah. If I turn this potentiometer um, on the bottom. Oh yeah, the volume changes. Yeah, that, that's the gain for the microphone. Okay. And this switch will turn the microphone on and off. Okay. Like that, oh, but yeah, I like yeah. to leave it on because it's going to cause feedback if I don't have an actual microphone plugged in. And these just play samples, but that's obviously just going to make a lot of noise, so I'm not going to do that. You're going to launch some missiles. This is amazing. Great Good work. Night. Thanks. Love it. I always love more MIDI controls. Congratulations. All right, and cool. Well, as you work on this, come back and play some tunes next time. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry I pronounced your name wrong. It's fine. Bye. Welcome back. Uh, so uh, we, please come back when you um, do more projects with DJing and uh, MIDI because I, I love to see those projects. Synthesizer right. are so cool. I'll do. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Good work. Bu building your own DJ gear is 2021. I know. That's it's right. so much fun. Okay. Next up, Ine. Ine. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm Ine from the Netherlands. Uh, and I've been uh, working on some soft robotic stuff for some time, and I finally made a uh, prototyping setup so I can program it more easily. So it's a Raspberry Pi Pico plus a uh, silicone bubble and uh, with a Neopexa underneath. Um, so the Pico controls a motor plus solenoid valves, which make it inflate and deflate. Uh, and because the 
PIO uh, functionality actually uh, it doesn't block the uh, rainbow Adafruit rainbow pattern from showing, which it previously did with uh, other microcontrollers. So this is a great improvement. Uh, and I, I, I really love uh, the PIO for uh, soft robotic stuff. I think it has uh, a yeah. lot of potential. Uh, can you see it? Yeah, it's like it, really uh, cool and kind of creepy. I like it. Yeah, so it was an art installation. It has like lots of those uh, of art art installation. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so now I can more easily uh, test the patterns on the, on this bubble. All right. Well, it's beautiful, and and it, it looks like it's alive, which is which is really nifty. Yeah. Um, uh, in the darkest way, it's 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 even more intense. So. Yeah, send us a link if you have a link or a video of it, the installation. We you know, it's especially in the dark. I think this would be really cool. We could post it up. Yeah, I'll, I will try to write something, uh, and okay. then I'll uh, I'll send a link. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, please do. All right, thank you so much. Right. Awesome. Yes. All right, living robots. Mark, place out. Mark, place sure. out. I will keep this quick. Uh, so on the, of course, now it's not turned on. Okay, you're, you're done. On uh, the whole circuit board thing, I have made my first real circuit board. Yay! Um, yeah, I looked at items that you made. I just grabbed it's a Atmel temperature sensor, mm. put it on uh, with the resist pull-up resistors, capacitors, and the best part about this is it actually worked once I figured oh. out how to solder on it. Um. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, it's displaying. So there's the temperature in my room right now, uh, hovering just below 22 Celsius. Uh, yeah, so super thrilled that this thing worked uh, first time. And I actually made that easy make oven that I was asking about from people last week about how to solder on these things and how to reflow. Um, yeah, and that worked great. So I think, I can't remember if this was the first reflow one or the hand soldered one. I've refine my process a little bit so it's not as messy as it was but yeah um now i've got a 25 dollars toaster oven that i will never cook in again but but you can make circuit boards and yeah and that's even right. better all right well yeah. congratulations on on your first board yay Thanks, Mark. the beginning a of, a, of a expensive but fun hobby yeah that, board is fun it's like a lot of hobbies all right, all right. well thank you okay. mark all right and thank you everybody we have a show until this week show. big march Kick it off with Boom. a bunch of folks. We'll see everybody on Ask an Engineer in a few minutes. Thanks, everybody.